podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot, your almost weekly chance to catch up with the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we try to look over and look forward to all things Liverpool. Jan, welcome back. Yeah, absolutely, Trevor. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks again, hasn't it? But uh, I hope you're well. And uh, we, we have to admit that so early on in the season, I think we're seeing more than we expected, I have to be honest feels that way. It feels like we're maybe getting a bit of a bonus that I think neither of us were expecting. And perhaps, Jan, if we're being perfectly honest, perhaps the performances haven't necessarily warranted. Uh, we'll take that every day and twice on Sunday. You know, as well as I do, how sick we were for years watching uh, United teams win and win and win and not every week would they be good in fact quite often they would be appalling and go a goal down and win 2-1 in injury time it was the pattern and I'm not saying we're title contenders this year we could be but I'm saying that is not a bad habit to get into you don't want to rely on it and you much prefer to see good quality form as well we are a little bit shaky it was an absolute Saint and Greavesy cliche game of two two halves that one at the at the weekend, wasn't it? Really was. We were appalling in the in the opening. Yeah, but I mean I think we've already seen obviously a performance like the one we had on Saturday is not what we want to see. But on the flip side, it's the kind of reaction to that type of performance in the first half. It was a bit like Newcastle as well, isn't it? We getting beat one nil with twenty minutes ago and and Wolves was the same. Uh you know People were saying to me, what do we need to do? I said, we just need to find our level. We just need to play our game. We play our game, we'll win the game. That doesn't necessarily mean that Klopp can get him in a hard time and go, come on, lads, pull your finger out and let's get it going. It doesn't always work like that. But I just thought that. And then, of course, and it's not very often we've been able to say this, I think. I think Klopp have done quite well with his substitutions this season. You know, we've, we've, we've been a little bit critical of him and it's often took, we feel, too long uh, but I think, you know, even again on, on, on Saturday at Wolves, change personality, change system, bang, away we went. And 3-1, in the end, I mean, the last few minutes, we, we ran up a few chances, didn't we? Could have scored more. Yeah, exactly. We were, we were having this discussion immediately post-match. Was it a result that flattered us somewhat, or was it a result that was actually um, probably about right? Because like you say... Uh, and, and the sum total of the chances, it could have been 5-1. That would have been flattering. But I think we saw enough dominance from the Reds in the second half. As you say, there was a big shift then in that period. And again, I'd be interested in your analysis here. We we were trying to get to the bottom of it on our post-match show. And it's easy to say it was a change of personnel that made the difference. 
But there are a couple of factors there. First of all, Diogo Jota, who had not played well at all, uh, played a very important ball for that opening goal. And then Cody Gakpo, who had not played well at all, finished that opening goal. Uh, the lads were taken off immediately, uh, uh, which again speaks to your concept of, well, fair play to Klopo. He got his substitutions right. So it's tempting then to see the personnel change as the shift. But I think we had started to be better anyway. And we seem to have had a different sort of, um, approach to the game. They were very, very dominant in their press and we were left narrow and trying to play through the middle. And you had the weird side of Dominic Sabozlai not making passes of Alexis McAllister, not making passes as a result. Um, but when we went back and sort of widened ourselves out a bit and we seemed to go with a more traditional, almost 4-4-2 or, or, or whatever way you want to look at it, but with two wide men, we looked pretty dominant, Jan. Uh, it was really good to watch. We looked like we could really get at teams. We had ability to get down the side of them. We could play diagonal balls through Dom. We could uh, go direct with runs. It was, it was, there was a lot more um, on display from this group of footballers because we know they're good enough. Yeah, yeah. I think we've, we've, we've seen little snippets of what we're capable of uh, in, in games. And when you see those snippets, that's what fills you with confidence is that they're the ones who, who make you think. I mean, it's early doors, but I look at the Premier League in that we obviously have a Manchester City and then we have the next two teams. I think the next two teams are Arsenal and Liverpool. I don't think Arsenal played particularly well as of yet, but they're solid. They've got a real solid look about them. They've got some really good players. And we've been a little bit inconsistent. But when we've been good, we've been good enough to be the team who's going to serve it up to Manchester City. So it comes back to two things, and I guess two things we maybe feared. How are we going to hold up defensively? And what is our consistency like? You know, and and, and they're the two, aren't they, Trevor? They are. And the you could we, we spoke about the, the substitutions and how refreshing it was to see uh, the manager do really well with those and, and, and change the course of the game um, and the tactical switch as well that went with it. Um, but you could have possibly cocked an eyebrow or two at that opening selection. Now, he may not have had a whole lot of choice, Jan, with lads having to travel big distances but I think ironically the biggest traveller was probably um, McAllister who started so I don't know about that as a as a thing um, I think we're all very very eager to see Ibu Kanate restored to the fence and Virgil van Dijk as well for that matter uh, it's a big ask to be without those two guys and Trent Alexander-Arnold that's a massive ask so we have to look at who he plugs in instead and I'd be interested to hear your take on uh, Joe Gomez and Young Kwanzaa specifically because Joel Matip's Joel Matip. We know that he can be a very solid citizen when he's on his game. But these two guys are going to be, you'd imagine, quite pivotal to our season going forward. Joe's going to have to play uh, a variety of roles, probably on a regular basis, and certainly in Europa Cup. You'd imagine he's going to focus uh, feature tomorrow evening. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, And same for uh, Joel Kwanzaa who I think, Jan, I'll be honest with you, I think he may well have pulled a rabbit out of a hat for Jurgen. I say this because if we hadn't had Kwanzaa, things might have looked even shakier and people would be focusing right back on the transfer window and why didn't we do this and why didn't we do that? 
do, do you think it's unexpected, Trevor? Uh, well, that's a very good point you make. I know where you're going with this. The manager watches them train and he knows what he's got in this kid. Uh, and you know what? Like, I'd have to absolutely bow down to to Jurgen if he was absolutely confident in his defence. And a lot of people, including I think yourself, have said that the manager is much higher on this group of defenders than perhaps we are. Uh, so perhaps he was perfectly confident in young Kwanzaa. But all I'm saying, Jan, is he's played his first games, his first minutes for the first team. So how much could Jurgen really have known? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of, I'm, I'm a bit torn on this because obviously the ideal situation is young players with already a reputation. Like, yeah. let's just take two of the biggest ones, Robbie Fowler and Michael Owen, yeah? Before we've even seen them, they build up a reputation where you almost feel that this can't go wrong. Young Kwanzaa is different, isn't he? In that he wasn't necessarily one screaming out, I'm going to be the one. But that doesn't necessarily doesn't mean that the backroom staff haven't seen it, does it? You know, he doesn't have to be the best player in the games that he plays at for the staff to go, he can play. I've been a manager myself. And I've got boardroom members who go, he's a really good player in there. And I go, yeah, he's great at this level, but he can't play any higher. And I think Kwanzaa might have been the same where you look at him thinking, well, he doesn't necessarily stand out. And they go, yeah, but don't worry about him playing at a higher level because he can do that. And I think it's one of those situations where they've all looked and gone, he's all right. And, you know, without us ever coming away from the under 23s or whatever games you played and going, he was outstanding. We know that he can cope. At the level up, and I think he's proved that. I, I think it's a, I think it's a Bruce bonus. You know, I think it, it, I agree with you. Would you tease that out for me a bit? Because I've done very limited coaching, and 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 in the bits that I've done, when you come across a kid, it's all been under 18s, that kind of age group, under 16s, under 18s. When you come across a kid though who has the self-possession to take that extra half second on the ball in the centre of a crowded midfield, you go, right, I can see that if I was to plug this 16-year-old into my 18-year-old team, he'd be okay. So I think I understand what you mean from that perspective. But is that what you mean, like proper football men, people who are around the game, people who are responsible for developing youth talent, they just inherently know without seeing a guy in the first team the well, as, as much as you can, they just have a feeling he'll be all right. It, and does it come down to that calmness, do you think? Is that one of the real features? Yeah, that is a real feature. I mean, calmness is everything to ever. Yeah. yeah, you know, especially yeah. in, uh, at the tempo that the game is played now. So being able to find yourself and buy yourself a little bit of time, and that little bit of time can come in so many different situations. It isn't always time on the ball, is it? It's also time to organise yourself in certain situations. It's time to organise yourself defensively, you know, so you're not square on and you're defending the right way. Uh, always being able to use what we still assume most players have, which is a, 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 a one foot that's stronger than the others. All these things. Uh, so, yeah, basically what I was trying to say is that you will have 16, 17, 18 old young players who at the level they're playing might be ripping up that level, you know, and still, the backroom staff going, he's great at this level, but he, 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 he can't go on. And then it's the ability to spot the ones who might not be the man of the match or whatever, 
personal, no matter whatever we call it these days, but he's the one that we have all the confidence in the world is. It's it's a it's a bizarre thing, is it? But it's it's wonderful to have. I mean, at the levels where I've managed, I've never had many such players. Uh, but I had one at Kidderminster is called Craig Hinton, and everybody always used to go on about the other players. I had some really tidy players at the level, and everybody's going, he's a good player, he's a good player, and I'm going, please, would somebody just spot Craig Hinton, you know, my centre-half, and let him go on and play minimum at championship level. Nobody ever did. And, and you know, I don't know whether he would have coped or not, but I would have put to take my life that he would have coped. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, yeah, just it's just a, it's a knowledge I think probably that comes whatever little bit I might have had, but in the bigger level where you're operating at there, it's just a knowledge from being around players and knowing what it takes. And I think that calmness in Kwanzaa is a real bonus. That's what I meant by pulling a rabbit out of a hat for Jürgen, because you, you get where I'm going with this. If he had not proved to be as uh, competent, we'd be already plugging players in to play in positions where they don't fit at this start, at this stage of the season. Now, granted, nobody could have seen that um, uh, extra suspension for Van Dijk, but these things happen. Um, and it really feels, it really feels like you say a proper, just extra to maybe keep us rolling along at this moment in time when, you know, we saw what happened last season. The, the opening to last season was appalling. Uh, the opening to this season has been the, almost exactly the opposite. To the extent, Jan, that you're looking back at that Chelsea game, the way that they've gone since, and you're thinking, shit, we've dropped two points there because they're awful. Um, mm. but, but, but nobody would have argued with this point haul with those fixtures, uh, preseason. Everybody would have bitten your hand off for that. It's it's fantastic. And like I said, if the result had gone slightly different uh, against Manchester City uh, for West Ham at the weekend, we'd be rolling into a top-of-the-table challenge against West Ham at the weekend. So every one of us would have taken that, man. Yeah. And also, just going back to your point about what do you do if you want a car crash of a season? You start playing people out of position. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, it's, it's what we learned, isn't it, when we rightly or wrong, but we refuse to play our centre-halves. Young Williams and Phillips, we refuse to play them. Henderson, Fabinho, whatever. So that is the shortest route to a car across of the season, isn't it? You know, always better, and hence this, this reason now. So, yeah, in terms of, well, we should not estimate, I mean, we've been to Chelsea, we've been to Newcastle, you know, and wherever you think of the other six or seven top clubs in it, they, they still got to go to these places, haven't they? They'll, they'll, they'll find that difficult, but they, they are difficult places to go. So we've been there, we took four points looking back. But Trevor, we were second best when we went to Stamford Bridge for long periods. So our point mm. is okay. 
That's true. That is true. That is true. And it was looking quite hairy uh, for our season beginning at that point. So, like I say, we'll all take where we are now. Um, Just a couple of other things I just want to pick apart with you from that game and what you've seen so far. Because uh, as Irish politicians famously used to say, we are where we are now in terms of the squad. There is no addressing um, the, the, the central defensive midfield area until the window that comes in January and that's highly unlikely that we'll be getting a big name player there perhaps maybe the boy from South America although he already seems to have other suitors so for now we are pushing into this really condensed period of fixtures between now and Christmas with the squad that we have Uh, it does feel a little bit like making things up as we go along but I loved the look of the midfield Jan in the late part of that second half with Dominic Sabozlai and Curtis Jones as the deep midfielders, it really seemed to work as a pair with the two lads either side on the flank, Diaz and, and Harvey pushing on, and then Mo and uh, Darwin more central. Darwin obviously the, the focal point, the nine, and Mo kind of buzzing around, getting picking up bits. I mean, that's an exciting formation for me. Uh, maybe that's a bit simplistic and old school, my way of looking at it. But I think that was pretty much what was happening. Um, is there some formation that you could see or some way which you could see Jürgen doing his magic like he did with Wijnaldum in the past and maybe molding Curtis into that deep line player that might be able to at least do a job for us, if not actually perhaps even excel? Or am I clutching at straws now? We've already wanted a specialist but now we have to cut our cloth is that something that you think he, that kid could do for us I think it's still we're still at the level at that where where I find that difficult to make a clear prediction on where Curtis is going to end up uh, he finished last season playing the best football he's played uh, during his senior time at Liverpool and the fact that he's already so heavily involved makes me think that maybe He's just took that next step. Uh, and, and club now goes, yeah, okay, I can use you in a number of roles, positions. And where we always thought we were going to see him, you know, being a sort of little bit further forward, cheeky chappy with loads of confidence. He's going to lose a little bit of magic on and off the ball and whatever. Maybe he's just gone, that you don't have the qualities to do that at Premier League level. So, we, we now develop a different Curtis Jones. Uh, so, well, what interests me most, Trevor, is that when I speak to people and they go, we got ourselves a new engine, we got ourselves a new midfield, blah, 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 and what a way, isn't it? But when you think about it, like Endo hasn't played a lot. We have not seen anywhere near the best of McAllister. So, there is still something happening without... It's not a case of going... Our new signs have come in and took it to another level. You know, I, st- I, th- I also think that something has happened with the group that was already there. You know, mm. you know, and I don't know, I can't put my finger on what it, that is, you know, when it's disappointment of last season, but I'm not foolish enough to think it's as easy as that. You know, we had a poor season last year, so we're going to get out. It, it doesn't work like that, Trevor. You know, I mean, you can't just press a button and become a better player. Uh, so, so I think that something has happened. Even young Harvey, when he came on against Saturday, I look at Harvey and I'm thinking, if you want to challenge City, if you want to get back to winning those big trophies, is he good enough, isn't it? But he just keeps contributing with something. 
you know, so mm. maybe we need also to give more credit to the group that was already there for them to have been able to, you know, even Robbo, you know, I look and everybody goes, we should have bought somebody to play instead of Trent from time to time. And I'm thinking, well, Robbo's had iffy games, uh, but then on Saturday, he was typical Robbo, wasn't he? You know, second half, he's going left on the front, isn't he? So I think maybe, just maybe, things are in better shape uh, than what even the naked eye is telling us. You know, maybe there's just some like, some substance gone back into the group and they've gone, come on, you know, we, we, we can do better than this. We are, and it sounds funny, isn't it, considering what we want, but probably as a group might be slightly underachieving, isn't it? So let's not waste this opportunity, you know what I mean? Okay, we've got Manchester City, but that doesn't mean that we can't be competitive. So I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I think the season is really interesting. So. Yeah, it's shaping up. It's shaping up very nicely. My take was always that um, we we're going to be a massive season from Andy Robertson because, again, of the way the transfer window ended. Um, a lot of people, when I put that out on the Twitter, were very, very uh, skeptical, uh, if not sneery, about that. People rushing to write that kid off. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that he mightn't have been at his very best in the first half. Uh, in the recent game, but I thought I thought his second half performance was exemplary. And again, perhaps because whatever system we changed to freed him up to do more Robbo things. Um, and probably, Jan, if we're being honest, the real factor in the incomings that has possibly been a real catalyst for everybody else up in their game is this Sabozla kid. I mean, it's hard to pick enough adjectives to describe him. Now, we we have to acknowledge that in the first half when we were in whatever shape we were and it wasn't working, even he was misplacing passes. That was happening and there's no two ways about it. Uh, McAllister was probably a worse culprit um, on the day. But Sebastian was a bit ragged and he was ragged for the goal as well, to be honest, in terms of the concession of it. He could have done better, I think. But my God, overall, his contribution has been amazing. Some of the things he's done, I know he's already clocked, if not the fastest and the second fastest sprint time in Premier League history. Um, you were talking about something earlier on with Curtis. Apparently, Curtis uh, has fantastic uh, percentage of uh, winning in jewels, in midfield jewels, which is obviously going to be a big deal if we're going to be plugging him in in that position. But Sabozai too has a fantastic win percentage in all these midfield challenges. We see his engine. We can see the passes. There was one, dare I say it, Malby-esque pass from the right of the centre circle, a dimmed ball into the path of the winger, falling beautifully at his feet, a little bit of air on it, and it's just gorgeous delivery. He can do that. He can do the big diag. He can ping a ball through. He can carry the ball at pace. He's got set pieces. I mean, it's hard not to get excited about having a footballer of this apparent quality, and he really does look the part. Yeah, but show yourself down, Trevor. That, that pass wasn't that good. You know what I mean? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, she was like, I've always liked him. But there's been plenty of players over the years I've liked, you know, and sometimes you, so I work with the Champions League, so sometimes you'll see snippets and highlights, and I'm talking about when he was in Salzburg, and I'm going, oh, I like that kid. 
really confidence always in, in, in good balance, two footed, a bit like Trent, every club in the back, you know what I mean? You can play every possible pass. Uh, but there's a long way, isn't it, to go from it. Then he went to Leipzig and, yeah, I thought, okay, he did okay at Leipzig. But I saw it in a couple of Champions League games against Manchester City where not not just him, but the whole team was completely overrun. And you think, well, okay, maybe every player has his level. And that was my biggest fear when we bought him, is that how quick does he step up? Because you have to step up. You have to step up from Austria to Germany, from Germany to, to, to the Premier League. And how quickly does he step? I don't need him to play well in every game for me to enjoy the way he plays. You know, because I think he does so many wonderful things, so many things that is so important for the team to function. You know, and that can be the past you mentioned, but it can also be other things, you know, where he takes people away to create space. And, you know, sometimes the most joy you can get is just by a two, three yard little pass that just completely changes the complexion of, of, of that move, isn't it? And I think he's got all, he's got all that in him. Sometimes you get players that are very sort of full on and you see everything that they do and everything is boom, 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 and whatever. But he's got it all. He's cute, as well as being able to go, look at me, you know, look at me, what look what I can do with this. So yeah. Sensational really. And also again bizarre. Gets out there was a there was a release clause. And again, when you think Manchester United spent in excess of 60 for Mason Mount. Arsenal played for Kai Havertz. Chelsea bought every available midfielder under 23. Uh, and they've, they've all overlooked him. Uh, I'm not saying he would have gone to either of them once he knew the cup, but it's, it's sometimes just bizarre, isn't it? And it comes back to what do we see or what do you see that nobody else sees, isn't it? You know, so yeah, he's a, he's a really smart signing. And uh, he surprised me. Not massively, but he has surprised me. On the idea of seeing things, um, I meant to bring this up with you um, just before the international break, but it wasn't completely appropriate at that time. So a bit of time has passed now and elapsed. Uh, and we can just run this one by you. I did a show recently um, on the topic of big decisions that the club need to make one of them was to do with contracts we have a lot of guys who are on uh, one year left in the contract and sorry a couple of guys and then probably all of those guys are likely to leave um i think you're looking at uh, tiago and matip and um adrian and then there's a couple of guys who are on two years left in the contract and you'd want all of them to stay, quite frankly. So there's big work to get done there behind the scenes. And I think we're hearing positive sounds about a contract for Trent. But the other major thing and that needs doing at the club, clearly, is the sporting director situation. And the reason I'm bringing it up now is we're well past the three month thing. Uh, and, you know, I went and found an interview with George Schmacke. So I was getting words from the horse's mouth and he was saying, uh, look, it, it's not a tr- three month contract. That's a lie. But we said we would revisit down at three months. And we'd see how it's going. Maybe we'll shake hands and part ways. Maybe we'll keep working together. We'll see how it goes. That's the arrangement. So three month thing is relevant. Three months have come and gone. 
and there's no talk of a new sporting director at Liverpool. I know a lot of people were getting excited that perhaps that would be something that we could do that would really change the structure. And what I'm talking about here, Jan, is the concept of future-proofing the club. Because we don't want to think of the post-Klopp era, but there will be a post-Klopp era. And it would be hugely important that the backroom, the technical side, the recruitment side, is not entirely interconnected with the manager in the way that George Smacka seems to be. I would have thought it would be important that we would have uh, someone that we're absolutely sure is going to be there for a period of time and try and do a body of work and work with all the guys there, fallows and all the guys who are there. So it, it seems to me that it was, it was something that needed to be done. And the fact that it hasn't been done would suggest to me that Schmack is going to roll on for his full year that they arranged in this gentleman's agreement. Have you heard anything around this? Do you have any strong opinions on it one way or the other? Bearing in mind that there is another window that we're going to be talking about within a matter of weeks. No, I, I haven't heard anything, Trevor, in, in, in fairness. Uh, obviously, this would have been a big issue had we not been doing as well as we've, we've, we've done so far. And yeah. has Shabotsley not looked the player that he does? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but of course, what, you, what you're after, and it's very unusual under these current owners for us to have a set of like we got at the moment because that's not what they believe in is it you know when we go back to Michael Edwards and Julian Ward and even Ian Graham who was the director of research and whatever all these guys are no longer with us uh, so we do need to find a new set up absolutely Jörg I'm not I have no opinion on him either way uh, and if if what we've done in the summer and I believe that McAllister's contract was done by Julian Ward. Uh, Smatka sorted out the release course uh, with Shabotsly and, 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 and it probably also the one who drove the signing of Endo, which I can live with. It. And if that's his contribution, I can live with that. Absolutely. I would go, you know what? You've probably done better than what I maybe even thought. Uh, but I think the time has come now, isn't it, for a, for a new setup? I'm always dreamt, Trevor. And I don't know whether it's naive or romantic or whatever, but you know these. And Bayern Munich is probably about the best example, isn't it? Where you just take your former players, you don't stick them into a role, but you educate them, isn't it? You know what I mean? And you, mm. and you teach them. And I just, I don't know. I just, I just think there's a role. I'm not talking about my generation. I'm talking about the, the, the generation who just retired or the ones who are about to retire and whatever. And you go, how do you fancy this? You know what I mean? Uh, you see the boys down at Brighton now, David Weir, who used to play for Everton in Scotland, whatever. And, and he used to, to shadow Dan Asworth as the director of football. And, you know, that kind of thing, you know, we, 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 we'll have somebody, uh, whoever that is, Mike Gordon or whoever. And, and you shadow these people and you learn your ropes and, and, and people go, where do you pick them from? Well, you pick them from because you've had them. They've been at your club for five years, eight years, ten years, and you know, don't you? You get to know them and you know which ones have got the ability to, to mm. go on and do these things. And I've always dreamt. I don't think it's something that would work for every club, but I just think there's certain clubs that are put together in such a way that it almost feels that that's the only way of doing things. You know what I mean? I think Liverpool is a perfect club for that, you know, to embrace the players who retired uh, and, and and see what he can get him into a role, you know, working for the club or whatever. I might be totally wrong with this. I mean, the idea is, of course, to get the best you can in those positions. 
Well, it, it would be interesting to follow. The best you can with the added bonus of them being kind of a club man as well. And I, I, I think you're right. I actually do that as well, unless I'm mistaken. They have a similar sort of setup with ex-players in all sorts of roles, um, as you say, with Bayern too. Um, and it would be very interesting to see that. It would be very interesting to see who might be earmarked for that. Just while we're on this, because we can't really pass it now, because you've kind of flagged it up as a topic uh, or as, a, as an idea. A lot of people, and again, we're not talking about Klopp leaving. I hope he never does, etc. That's given. But a lot of people are getting very excited by what Xabi Alonso is doing. Um, and the reason for it is I think people are romantics and they want the, the, the crowd who wanted Stevie to be manager uh, are now transferring their attentions to Xabi Alonso. And listen, I get it. I absolutely get it. I would stand by what I said about Gerard, though. It has to be the same thing for Alonso, even if he is a incredibly suave-looking dude who seems to know what he's up to and who might have great connections in the game, etc. you got to win trophies before you come to Liverpool as boss, as boss. That would be my take. Maybe that's naive. Maybe that's silly. But that would be a bare minimum requirement for me. I mean, Rafa won serious, serious trophies you know, against all odds, Jurgen did something quite similar. So, the idea of appointing someone now who is not in that category of, you know, a trophy-winning manager seems a bit daft. Does that make any sense to you? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, if, if we go back to Rafa Benitez and up to club today and you look what you had in between, uh, obviously with Roy Hodgson and Brendan Rodgers, you know, it kind of supports your argument. Mm. Uh, Roy never got off the ground. Sir Kenny had a little spell. Uh, and then Brendan did what he did, but in the end didn't get over the line. So maybe it comes back to that kind of, you know, well, how do we get over the line? Uh, so yeah, I think Alonso has a lot of work to, to, uh, to do, but I think what's exciting people is, is obviously the sort of, with, with the bravery that they play with. And we shouldn't forget also they probably lost just about their most influential player. Diaby to, to Aston Villa. So, but he's, he's, he's plowing on and he's doing a really good job. So, yeah. I think Xavier Alonso is going to leave Leverkusen in the next, this season, next season. Yeah. So almost two years. I think he's more likely to go to Real Madrid. Because I think he's more likely that Real Madrid are prepared to take a gamble on him than what we are. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's probably to do with um, 
the whole behind the scenes thing at Real uh, and maybe a structure that's a, quite a bit different than what we have at Liverpool. When Klopp came, we were really looking for the Messiah. We were looking for the Messiah when Rodgers came. You know, we just are. It's just we're looking for this powerful, catalyzing figure. And um, you'd love to think that Alonso could be that. You'd like to have thought that Jared could be that. But you can't be naive about what people have actually done in the game either. So I look forward to seeing a, a situation where he's a genuine contender for the Liverpool job. I mean, it'd be wonderful. Um I do want to get through everything we can possibly get through today in our hour. So let's just put a bit of shape on and make sure that because there's a several bonus things I'd like to talk to you about if we get time. We may not. So let's talk about things we need to talk about. Tomorrow um, is the first of the Europe, Europa League uh, group stage games against LASK. I'm going to call them LASK. I'm not sure if you're supposed to say LASK. I know absolutely nothing about these guys except to say that they are going to be they're Austrian and they're going to present us with uh, some sort of a challenge if they've done well enough to qualify for this competition that it's not something that we can afford to take uh, lightly by way of a challenge I'm looking here at their um the honours that they've won and you can see that they were winners of the Austrian League in 64-65 and runners up most recently in 2018-19 and again back in 61-62 they're not exactly full to the brim with cup wins and all the rest of it I think they were runners up in the Austrian Cup um, two or three years ago as well so they are what they are Uh, the standard of that league again is something that I won't even pretend I know a lot about um, so we can put them to one side unless you've got any insights for us please feel free to and I'm not doing that in a dismissive way I'm doing it because I'm going to say I know nothing about them anything, if you have anything to add to it that's, that's going to be a bonus what I'm most interested in is a simple question for you um, and I've put it to people on two different shows I've been on when you look forward to this campaign now we've got six games and we've got a cup match against Leicester in the middle as well so let's make it a ball of seven games which are not Premier League, which is clearly the priority. Do you go strong? Do you go mix? Do you go throw the kids at at it in terms of this competition? The reason I ask is that I have a feeling that there might be there might be quite a bit of desire for Jurgen to win this bloody thing as it is in itself uh, a ticket to the Champions League. It's also the one that he hasn't won. Um, and honest to God, I think we need to raise our profile and winning a European trophy to get our profile back up to where it should be. And I think winning that Euro- European trophy, that beautiful old, old cup would be a wonderful thing. Now, I could have that wrong, but for me, I'm all in and I'd love to see us go somewhere between strong and sensible in almost all these games, because I think our squad allows us to do that. Um, a lot of people are saying X, Y and Z should be nowhere near any of these games in the group stages. So I'm eager to get your opinion on who should be in and who should be out. What would what would what would be your approach to selection of the team, not the squad, but the actual 11? So, I mean, if, if, if we deal with the whole Europa League experience first, I think we're strong enough to control this group. Uh, sometimes you can be drawn in the Champions League, mm. the group where you lose a game or two and you kind of don't have enough to, to rectify that. I think even if we lost the first two games, we would be strong enough to be able to control and win the remaining four to, to, to qualify. Uh, I think club for the game in Austria is going to be 
I think he's going to make a, a few changes. I think he's going to go with a mixture. I don't think he's going to go strong, strong. I think he's going to go with a mixture just to get a feel for it. Uh, but the strong will be on the bench in case it's needed, isn't it? So he only has one thing in his mind. That is to win the game with a bit more of effort uh, and, 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 and move on and just get a feel for the level. You know, this is not Napoli away. You know, this is this is a whole different thing, isn't it? So I think the Europa League and we experienced this the last time, Trevor. You grow into it. You know, we were, last time we were in it, we're a little bit missed at being in it, you know. Uh, and I think we maybe even feel a bit like that again. I mean, it started again the Champions League, hasn't it? And, and we play on a Thursday, so it's not, not what we wanted. So I think it's a competition you grow into. You know, and last time we played Manchester United and then we played Dortmund, you know. So there's every chance that we'll get that as we progress through this. So I think it's something we're going to grow into. I think it's going to be the group games, the six group games are going to be... It's, it, I don't think it's going to be a lot of excitement in those because I think we're going to be too strong, you know. We're going to be quite capable of running up 65, 70, 75% possession and, you know, sort of going through the motions and, you know, one or two games, you, you might just hit it off and you might run up a score of four, five, six, and everything. But other games, it's going to be a little bit frustrating, isn't it? So I don't think it's going to be a, a group stage is where we're going to look back and go, wow, that was quite exciting. I think it is quite possible when we hit a knockout stage. And I must stress that. I've said it before, the, the biggest fear, the only fear I have is who drops in from, 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 the, from the Champions League. Uh, you know, I think we are by far the strongest that are in it right now. With, with that in mind, um, taking the group stage in, in no way for granted, uh, if you reckon he's going to go with this kind of a mixture and not going all out, obviously, because I don't think anyone thinks that, um, would you look forward to seeing minutes for um, Bacetic and Doak? Uh, the likes of um, Curtis being absolutely a starter unless he's saving him from the Premier League. Like who who would you? And and when it comes to the forward positions, with the exception of Doug, we're still going to have to have a couple of the lads who we have some ridiculously good forward players. I'm thinking maybe tomorrow evening might be a perfect example to try and get Cody Gakpo's confidence back up. Um, maybe. Would you would you chance starting Doak? Would you would you look to just go comparatively safe there and go with um, Jota and Nunes? I mean, we don't have a huge amount of those fringe players in those attacking areas, so it's it's going to be comparatively strong regardless. And like I said again on a recent show, Jan, I'm sure you agree with me. There's no fucking way Mo Salah is not looking at these six games and going, yeah, I'll have all of those because I can score. A bagful, and that's you know Mo, you know Mo Salah's thinking that. Yeah, I mean the first thing you said is that is there any player players that I don't want anywhere near this conversation? No, not necessarily. Mm. You know, I mean obviously you're looking at if Thiago ever gets himself back and gets fit and whatever, but that's the risk you run whatever game he plays in. Of the others, it's the risk that you run. Uh, even Konati, but he needs to play. You know, he needs to get himself going again, isn't it? I think Ben Doer. I think he's unfortunate if he doesn't play. Uh, but I agree with Mo Salah. I was just about to make that point. What's the agreement between Jürgen and Mo for the games? You know, I know that it's not how it works, isn't it? But I'm sure Jürgen would have said, you can't see playing them all. Where, where, where we at, is it? But 
I think Darwin plays. Uh, I think Basic is, I think they all play. I think maybe even Curtis plays, Joe Gomez plays, uh, Simicast probably plays. Uh, so, yeah. But as I said before, there, there isn't anyone I'd go, Endo would probably play. I don't think there's anyone where I'd go, no, no, I wouldn't risk him. You know, I think, as I said before, once you go into that and you get to the quarterfinals and semifinals, Trevor, and we're all coming over to see you in Ireland, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, it gets quite exciting then, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh man, I'll give anything for that. That's where we want to be. And at this stage, you know, I, I don't think people can underestimate what a buzz that would be. What a, f- a wonderful experience it would be for that group to win that trophy. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we're there or thereabouts when it comes to it. We'll look back on that, um, last game, uh, in our next show and we'll have another one to look forward to in the near future. I guess the big game is the one that I'm actually going to be lucky enough to be present for in Anfield at the weekend, which is West Ham. And there was a world for a little short period of time there at the weekend where it was going to be a top of the table clash. But of course, Manchester City, Manchester City, West Ham in the end. In the interim, there's been some very interesting stuff going on with uh, Michael Antonio running his mouth in a way that I can only imagine is absolute delight for Jurgen Klopp when he saw some of the quotes coming out of him talking about how we should have taken the money for Salah and how he saw how Wolves played against us and now he's got it sussed and, you know, they're going to, they know exactly what to do. Seems like daft stuff. Now, I, I have to, hold my hand up and say, I haven't seen the interview. And sometimes you can get quotes out of context, but just on their own, they look very silly. They look like the kind of thing that managers used to stick on boards to motivate their footballers to say this, hear what this prick is saying. Here we go. Uh, so I was just, uh, as we were looking forward to it, they will pose a very, very, very stiff opposition to us. They were, uh, level on points with Liverpool going into this whole thing uh, just checking the table really briefly I don't want to talk shite um, but I think they, they were they, they were pretty much matching us result for result in terms of what they'd done yeah I'm, I'm right in saying that they're on 10 points now we're on 13 you know a win at the weekend would have left them at the same level of, as us and, and joined top but unfortunately we've got um, Manchester City and Spurs who apparently have managed to uh, Spurs have managed to slip under the radar. We're going to have to talk about Ange Postecoglou at some point, but City are just doing City things. We're going to hope they have their slip. West Ham, however, Jan, to circle back, are going to be stiff opposition. Do you think they've done well in uh, redistributing the money they got for Rice throughout the team? Do you think they pose a very stiff threat to Liverpool? Or is it perhaps just a bit of a continued momentum run from the end of last season? What do you make of this West Ham iteration on, uh, at the moment? What's, what's, your, what's your verdict on them? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. 
you can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, not 100% sure, Trevor. I have to say that, you know, last season, I thought they desperately underachieved. Uh, they were better than, than, than what they proved in, in the Premier League and I never quite felt that they were going to get involved in the relegation battle and they pulled themselves clear and they ended up winning the European Trophy, so well done. And then, of course, it's what happens when your most important player leaves. Uh, but it appears that they've spent the money well. Uh, they are what you would call awkward opposition. They are awkward opposition. They are big and strong. They're good at set pieces. They play to their strength. Uh, I mean, obviously, David Moyes is the manager. We only got to go back to, you know, when Moyes was the manager of Everton and, and the, the likes of Fellaini and, you know, like, he, he puts together awkward teams. In terms of quality, uh, they, they, they shouldn't be anywhere near us. Uh, and I don't think they will be either. Uh, I think they'll come with a clear plan, which is, I like David Moyes. I like David Moyes as a man. I like him as a manager, plays to his strength. But he has a problem playing against the better teams away from home. He is simply petrified. He can't get his team to play. Uh, so I assume they'll come uh, and it'll be all about defending deep and trying to hit them on a break and not enough quality. Uh, but it can be awkward, long throwing set pieces and whatever. The I expect this to be Again, when, when does the first goal come? Of course, that's important, isn't it? Even with a European game Thursday night, uh, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second in, in relation to the fixture. And just again, just to, t- to get a little bit more uh, on West Ham, they they went, I assume, as strong as they could against City. You'd imagine that's what they did in a home match against uh, a, a team they would fancy themselves having a chance of, you know, going up against. That, that's Ariola and goal and Zuma and Aguirre centre half and Emerson and Soufal either side at full back. They've got Suchek and Alvarez sort of in the more withdrawn roles in midfield with Bowen, Ward-Prowse and Paqueta ahead of them and then Michael Antonio. But it's when you go to the bench, Shan, that you start to see that he's actually put together a decent squad here in terms of, well, how much of it is Moyes, but how much, there's, there's some good footballers. Kudus came off the bench. Lots of people were looking at him. Danny Ings came off the bench and he can do bits. Uh, Saeed Benrama, who's a highly rated technical footballer at least, Kerr came on. Fabianski was on the bench with Cresnell. Pablo Fornals, who's made plenty of uh, appearances. And Agbana was there as well. They're not a bad squad at all. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that they have a squad that should be absolutely making sure that they're getting... <laughs> on the fringes of or securing European football. Now, maybe I'm overrating them, but I, I, I think that's a very solid bunch of footballers. I agree. I mean, minimum top half with, with that squad. And, you know, obviously it's, it hasn't been cheap to put them together. Uh, it wasn't just the Declan Rice money this summer. They also spent last summer. Uh, so he's had plenty of money. Uh, so now he needs to deliver. 
Uh, and when you look through and very impressive bench, I mean, Mohamed Kudos from, from Ajax, remember him scoring at Anfield for Ajax, a uh, great goal, looks a really, really interesting player, a uh, player perfect for the way that they play counter attacking football. Uh, but as much as I go, these are all rock solid footballers. That's about it, really. You know, they're rock solid footballers, but they, you know, Packerhead has a little bit, just a little bit of magic in him, is it? Michael Antonio is, 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 is all effort and physical strength and Ward Prowse is a fine footballer, you know. Mm-hmm. What you've got to worry there is about his set piece deliveries, isn't it? And the fullbacks, you know, the fullbacks are, again, Kufel on the right is very solid. I'm not sure the left back is even good enough, isn't it? So they, they, they are what they are. I'm wondering then about us. Um, we've speculated about what he might do with the Euro- Europa League team tomorrow night, but assuming that everybody, nobody gets a knock and everybody's available that's currently available to him, we've, we understand that Trent would be back. I'm hoping that's the case. So you'd imagine you'd see the first choice defense, for want of a better word. Uh, I think Virgil's done with his suspension as well. And we saw Avery making a very uh, encouraging cameo the other day. And maybe that's hard on Joe Matlib and Joe Gomez, but them's the breaks. So you'd imagine that would be the starting um, four and Ali. If you had everyone available to you currently, would it be uh, McAllister, Dom Sabaslai, and Curtis Jones for you? Would that be the three? Yeah. Uh, and if so, have we learned any lessons about how we might arrange them? And here's the thing. We've got spoiled for choice up top as well. I, I'm all about the chaos that Darwin Nunes brings. I want to see him start. Um, and I love the idea of, of, of Diaz one side, Mo the other, Nunes in the middle. But I'm also very fond of what Cody Gakpo can offer and what um, Jota can offer. So in those important front six positions, who would you select and in what kind of order would you go at to, to, to get at West Ham? I mean, obviously, when you talk about how do we arrange the midfield three, uh, McAllister, poor game against Wolves, a little bit exposed as a number six. But Wolves uh, have a lot of players who drop deep and run with the ball and that exposed them a little bit. West Ham playing in a slightly different way. So I think Klopp will probably go with the same three again, unless Endo, I mean, struggling to mm-hmm. keep up with where he's at at the moment. I don't, I'm not too sure where he's at. Now, as much as you like the chaos that Darwin Nunez brings, I like the structure. You know, and I think the structure... It's important for Diaz and for Mo Salah. Uh, so Diaz will play on the left, Mo will play on the right. And I think Cody Gakpo will probably get another run out, uh, to the middle. And in terms of you mentioned Matip and, and, and Gomez. Yeah, but they're going to be playing two of our next three games, aren't they? The Europa League game and the Carabao Cup game against Leicester, isn't it? So it's kind of a bit of a sweetener, isn't it? Uh, so you get them games and the rest play the other games. That's just the way it is. We're going to just cast our, our, our glance out and about before I get two predictions for you to finish the show as usual. And uh, there were a couple of things I wanted to chat to you about, so I'm just going to go through them in order here. I've saved them on, in pictures on my phone, so I won't remember, or so I won't forget to throw these subjects at you. Uh, yeah. So the first thing was, uh, 
we never got a chance to talk about this suspension for Virgil van Dijk. And a lot of people are starting to get um, almost worse than me when it comes to uh, the conspiracy theory corner uh, and thinking, what is going on? PGMOL definitely have a bone to pick. It's getting ridiculous um, with the appointments, with the decisions, uh, with the the reappointments of lads who've been awful to being VAR for the next one and so on and so forth, round and round we go. Then we saw the ridiculous thing with the fixtures and Klopp got very testy about that in his last press conference when James Pierce asked him about the lunchtime kickoffs. And of course he had a very good point in that Liverpool have been assigned twice as many of them as the nearest team. So they have twice as many games at lunchtime as the next team. So that's a very, very fair point to make as well. And then you see something like, I don't know, any game ever where lads are are telling referees they're everything under the sun, screaming in their face. But our guy, when he tells them he's a joke for a decision he's made, gets extra suspension. It feels like there's something going on, even if we don't, even if we kind of know in our heart of hearts, there's not. You can understand people getting their backs up, yeah. And it seems like a lot of stuff is going against the club at the moment in that regard. Yeah, I mean, if 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 that's what you look at, and there is a lot of people who look into all these things, uh, and of course, due to the press conference, it, it came about. I mean, the TV companies uh, and the way that the games are allocated, twelve thirty generally is a shit kickoff time, you know. It's a shit kickoff time for broadcasters mm-hmm. uh, because of the viewing figures. So every time TNT or BT or whatever they're called has a 12.30 game, they're going to ask for Liverpool because that's where the viewers are, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things, isn't it? So whenever Sky doesn't want him for some of their slots, then TNT are going to go, we'll have Liverpool 12.30 because we're guaranteed a certain number of viewers, isn't it? Uh, in terms of the referees, I said at the time with 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 uh, Van Dijk, I just felt that, and I still don't feel comfortable with the whole sort of refereeing thing and the way they decide to referee things. But one thing you can rest assure yourself is that with Howard Webb being the boss, he will try and push this and force this through, isn't it? And I said at the time, Virgil will get one more game suspension because he's the captain. You know, it's as if Howard Webb has said but we'll accept the captain but the captain had to be able to control not just his teammates but also himself and I always felt that this was a perfect one if you're going to punish a captain let's punish City's captain or Liverpool's captain isn't it so people can't go oh it's only Brentford or Bournemouth who gets punished isn't it so let's go for the biggest there is and we have I mean what are you meant to say when you get sent off great decision ref you know, at least I get a weekend off now. Or <laughs> what? What? What do you say, Trevor? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I, it is weird. It is weird. I, obviously, I want to just get one a minute or two from you on um, on what's happening up the East Lanks because it's 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 been. I, I'll openly admit that since things have gone to the wall for them, it's been. A source of great personal uh, enjoyment for me because for years and years 
we were getting taunted and we had to put up with them looking down their snouts at us. And now let's not even talk about the set of lads that they seem to have there who let's not even talk about that because that is disturbing on a level that is not worth talking about. And it's not necessarily the club's fault and people do stupid things referring to the club in that context. That's just perhaps a very unfortunate collection of uh, lads who might be a bit dodgy. But when you see old Gary Neville coming out every time they lose a game and blaming it on the Glazers in the wake of the amount of money that they did spend it does seem sort of silly, Jan. I mean, do you have a do you have any sympathy for what's going on there? Because I suppose maybe some died in the wall fans, like my old man's a United fan. I want to be able to say oh, something kind of half consoling to him, but I can't find anything. It just seems to be a total mess. I mean, if if anything, Trevor, and it, and it always comes back to that, is that you feel sorry for the fans. Uh, you know, the, the the good loyal fans that every football club has. Uh, and I understand why they keep harping back to the glazers and the uncertainty over the sale and whatever. But you can't deny that they, they've given the money to the manager and they give him almost what he wants. And let, let's not kid ourselves. Sir. Yeah. These players, from when Eric Tink Hard came in, almost every one of them, he's gone, I want him. That's who I want. I'll take him. Yeah. Nothing has been, he hasn't been forced fed any of those players. It's all players he's worked with before. I know he signed Tristan Erickson for Brentford. We had him at Ajax. I know he signed the boy Amrabat uh, from a club in Italy, but he had him before at another club in Holland. All these players he's worked with before. So he's kind of brought them in. So I'm at the, I'm at the level now with Manchester United where I look and they've got a lot of problems. I don't know where to start when you talk about the problems. But when you have problems, Trevor, you always look at the troubleshooter and you think, is he capable of turning this around? Mm. I I think yet again, player power, player ego is going to triumph at Old Trafford. You know, I think he'll be another one who will succumb to the egos uh, and the entitlement that some of the players have at Manchester United. You know, I think at the end, they're going to break him. Well, I hope it takes a full season, Jan, or maybe even two for that to occur. That's all I have to say on the matter. So before we go, let's, as usual, get a, a, a prediction from you. How do you think the two games will go, starting with uh, the European game and then the home game against West Ham? Yeah, I think we'll win the uh, European game 3-0. Uh, obviously depending on how early the goal comes it could be comfortably more but I think 3-0 and tidy scoreline and as it happens I think it'll be the same scoreline at Anfield on Sunday uh, I think we also beat West Ham I think we'll beat West Ham 3-0 Fantastic I do love to hear that I'm sure everyone else does who's listening as well as ever Jan we've been all around the topics and through a few bonus ones at the, at the end there so for another great show thanks very much it's good, Trevor. It's like we're starting all over again, isn't it? You know, we're starting our journey. We're starting our journey again. Is it ready to go? So yeah, until next time. Absolutely, that's exactly how it feels. It starts like the start, the the start of something, and hopefully, myself and Jan will be able to bring you uh, some success at the end of that. We will absolutely be there for all of the games. Uh, we thank you for your listenership. If you hear anyone, or if you think you know anyone who'd like to hear this show, pass it on because that's the best way to get more ears and eyes on these videos and on these audio podcasts. The channel Anfield Index Pro is producing incredible amount of contact, and I think this 
particular show with Jan is the pick, and I'm, and I'm very glad to be part of it. So from me, Trev Denny, and from Moby on the Spot, and our star Jan Moby, goodbye, and we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.